<clears throat> okay. Well, I am here with uh, my friend, author, John Frame, and uh, he just wrote this book, Seven Attitudes of the Helping Heart, How to Live Out Your Faith and Care for the Poor. Um, got one right here. My copy came in yesterday that uh, you oh, sent me, John. Great. So great. Thank, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, uh, so I, well, I just kind of want to begin this podcast or our time together to just let you know why I'm doing this um, with, uh, with John and, and featuring his book. Uh, first and foremost, it's, it's a good book and uh, I really enjoyed reading it. And John um, asked me to help kind of edit it and, and speak into it. Um, but that's not why it's good. <laughs> I wouldn't trust my editing um, or even sometimes what I have to say, especially even about the subject. Uh, but John is a very good writer and I encourage people uh, to, to read his book. But uh, maybe more than that, even uh, John's my friend and uh, he's been a friend of mine for a long time. I met John in undergrad at Anderson University. I was a Bible and religion major and John uh, Frame, uh, he, he was in seminary at the time. And so, and also he and his family moved to the hometown where I was from right at all at the same time. And so we had all these connections going on. And, uh, so I, I, I met John, began to talk to John and I realized John was a lot smarter than I was and a much better writer than me. And I had not done a whole lot of writing before undergrad and my, my major required me as a Bible and religion major to do a lot of writing. And so John became kind of my de facto editor. And uh, he asked me questions and told me things that I hadn't thought of before. Um, it was good uh, fun. Yeah, yeah. So you can you can tell people how bad a writer I am, John, if you want. Oh, no, not at all. Um, uh, so um, that's a kind of how I, how I met John. He officiated my wife and I's wedding. Um, in Birmingham, Alabama. He came all the way down to do that. So I appreciate um, John having done that. And then for people in our church uh, or who are familiar with our church, uh, part of our, uh, one of our ministries from our church is actually featured in this book called Joanne's Pantry, which is a, a, a ministry to uh, those who are in need of um, food. And so just a really cool um, thing for our church to, to be featured in the book. And uh, yeah, so John, you wanna kind of say hello and, and tell us where you're at this morning um, and what time yeah. it is there and I'll tell them what time it is here. <laughs> yeah, well, great, Josh. I and mean, we've had a very good friendship for a long time and we've had a lot of good times and good years together and thank you for your interest. Thank you for your support on this book. You know, you don't know it, but actually you are one of only two people that I talked to about this book when I was thinking about writing the book about a year and a half ago. I reached out to you and Jim Lyon and um, we did chat about it. We emailed quite a lot about it first um, and then we did chat about it a couple of times. And of course I was able to get in touch with um, Luana Hartlow um, to learn more about uh, Joanne's pantry at your church. But to answer your question, I am in Istanbul, Turkey. So I am so right now it's 2 15 p.m and what time what time are you at josh it's 6 15 a.m here mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah so. so i uh yeah i'm i'm about eight hours ahead of you uh, and 
I, uh, I like living here. Uh, my wife and I have lived here twice, actually. I've lived in, in Turkey twice. I've lived in Cambodia once. And I've lived in England, oh, probably at least three times. And of course, I was born in the US. And so, um, but living here in Turkey, it, it uh, presents some interesting uh, experiences. And uh, I share a tad about that in the book. Uh, it's very light, actually. I, I rely on some of my other experiences. One of the things I, I do mention in the book uh, is the uh, folks who are from Afghanistan, Pakistan, Bangladesh, and Turkey, who, who walk around these streets and pick up recyclables from the dumpsters. And that's one of the things I share about. And how, how should we feel about things like that? And uh, so, yeah, so I live in Turkey. It's a great place to live. I live in a great neighborhood, live in a great building and I'm happy to live here. Yeah, cool. Yeah, you, uh, your life is always very interesting. You're always, I always feel like you're moving around or kind of in a new cool place. <laughs> we have moved around quite a lot, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And so, yeah, you're married uh, to Aisha Gul, who is Turkish, um, and uh, that's kind of a cool story. We won't get into all of that because we do want to talk about the book, but maybe maybe at the end we'll talk about some of that. But yeah, you've got a lovely wife. And, um, you're, you're, you're I was going to say, I actually uh, mentioned that uh, story a bit, uh, I believe, in my first book, Homeless at Harvard. Yeah. touch on that story uh, in, in that book. But yeah, she's a, she's a, a great wife. Yeah, which is an awesome story. I love your story. I've actually told it like in sermons and stuff before um, because it's just a, it's a cool story. So uh, I do want to talk about your book here and, and I encourage people to, to buy it, read it, get the, uh, get the um, study guide that comes with it. Uh, but what is it about? What's your book about? Seven, seven Attitudes of the Helping Heart. Yeah, so seven attitudes of the helping heart. Um, you'll see that the graphic here um, is, is a heart and it, it's a map of the world, right? And I think that a lot of times in our, in our lives, we're often focused because we're humans. We're focused on the here and now, you know, the things that are going on in, in my life, in my family's life. And, and we should, we should be concerned about those things. Um, but there's a whole world out there, isn't there, Josh, where, you know, there's a lot of need and most of these needs and, and problems, injustices, um, sad things going on, we will never know about, we'll never hear about. And so this book is primarily a book um, that helps Christians think about the attitudes and the things in their lives that they can explore and develop in order to become better people of God. You know, most Christians, I think, want to have a closer relationship with God. They want to live out their faith more. And ultimately, part of that, at some point in life, we're going to think about those that don't have all that we have, whether we see them on the streets we hear about them in our schools, we hear about them on the news, and these things oftentimes bother us. And we wonder, as I have wondered, you know, where do we start? How do we begin? And this book is 
a beginner's journey of how to begin living out your faith and helping the poor. And that's what it's about. It's about these seven attitudes of the helping heart that when flourished or when you encourage them to flourish in your life will help you be the person that you really want to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, obviously you read through the gospels and you read about Jesus' ministry and you even read about the ministry of the early church. And uh, uh, Jesus was very interested in helping the poor um, and getting even the Pharisees and Sadducees um, scribes to think about the poor, uh, consider the poor. Um, he, he also, you know, said things like, hey, the poor will always be with you. Um, while at the same time, he didn't remove the responsibility of God's people uh, or his followers to help. Um, you know, I do think it's really easy, especially um, the way our culture is set up and is to forget about the poor um, or not think about the poor or isolate ourselves or, or kind of not know anybody who is in a, a different economic status than we are. Um, so sometimes it can be actually, it's not that I think Christians are uncaring or, or they don't care because you read through the gospels, you see what Jesus is doing, but it is hard to become sometimes really actually interested, you know, like in other people's lives, um, if you are not poor, um, beyond maybe every once in a while watching a video and giving a check to a certain organization or, or whatever. Um, so how did you become interested in the poor like why or when like how did that happen because you know you've written a book homeless at harvard and for people most people i assume watching this or listening to this has probably never heard of that book uh when you were at harvard you lived as a homeless person for how long in weeks in weeks so you were homeless for 10 weeks yourself and you did everything a person without a home a homeless person would do in that time, except you attended Harvard, you attended your classes at Harvard. But other than that, you, yeah. <laughs> you behaved as a homeless person. You got your food the way a homeless person would get their food, use the restroom the way a homeless person would use, their, like all of those sorts of things. Um, bathed the way a homeless person would bathe uh, from what you understood. Um, so that, but that wasn't even the beginning. So why or, or when did you become interested in the poor? Yeah. Well, good question. Um, yeah, my, my book, Homeless at Harvard, um, is my, my story of my journey, 10 weeks on the streets. You know, because I was a Harvard student, you know, and I had access to all of Harvard's books and buildings and bathrooms, um, you know, I, I can't say, plus I had loving parents back in Ohio. I had money in the bank, probably, you know, I had, I had privileges and opportunities and a status that my homeless friends didn't have. And so I can't say that I was truly homeless for those 10 weeks, but I got, you know, a small taste, right, of what the homeless community life was like outside of the gates of Harvard University. And that was, uh, I would say that to answer your question, Josh, my first interests or concerns, I guess, about the people who are poor would would be related to my time at Anderson. So you may remember when, when we when we were there together, um, there would be you know authors who would come in and speak, 
you know, people who were working with the poor would come in and speak. And also we had students and friends who um, were interested in these things. And so I was uh, deeply influenced by conversations about, you know, life as they knew it, as maybe I hadn't heard of, as they, you know, all of these things kind of converged. And I began to feel a bit unsettled about kind of the, the normal Christian way of life and thinking where, you know, we're often church focused or, you know, me focused because that's what the world is like, but there's a whole world out there that is in need. And so my, my first interest in being concerned about the poor was related to homelessness. And at that same time, I took a trip to London with my sister and to some other cities in the UK. And when I was walking in London one evening, I met a homeless man sitting on the street. And his name was John, like my name. And that was the first homeless person that I ever met. And we had a, a chat. And, and that was a pretty big influence on my life. You know, when, when, when I left John that night, you know, I, I never saw him again. Um, but his story remained with, remained with me. And I've shared that encounter uh, before uh, or, or after uh, that. And yeah, I think these small things, these conversations with friends, these encounters that we have. I also went on, on some spring break trips at Anderson to Atlanta, you know, to connect with uh, the homeless. So all these things, I think, together converged to kind of put in my mind a realization that there's a lot of poverty, a lot of things out there that aren't quite right or aren't right at all. And what can or should we do to help change that? Yeah. Or at least help bring awareness of it. Yeah. And, and you, in your book, The Seven Attitudes of a Helping Heart, uh, that kind of what you seem to be trying to do is cultivate a heart that cares for the poor and gives people maybe some ideas or or motivation to show care um so tell us what what are the seven attitudes of the helping heart sure yeah well the first two and i put them together intentionally the first two are gratitude and humility and that chapter i have titled living in the in-between living in the in-between of gratitude and humility the third attitude of the helping heart is empathy. And I think that empathy is something that we can develop and be intentional about. Because I'm not sure that empathy is a natural human thing to have. Uh, it's something that I have struggled with quite a lot in my life. And But I think that there are ways that we can help grow it in ourselves. So that way we're more empathetic. The fourth one is compassion. And compassion, in, in, in my book, I talk about how compassion is taking empathy one step further. It's putting a bit of action or a lot of action <clears throat> to, to our concern. So we've got gratitude and humility, empathy and compassion. And then the next two are generosity and holiness. And I put those together the, in, in, in the same chapter as well because uh, I believe that generosity is related to obedience. 
And when we're obedient to God, we feel more holy and we are more holy. And I feel that when we're holy and we're all God wants us to be, then we have a heart that is probably more generous. And so I connect those in the chapter. So um, five and six is generosity and holiness. And then the seventh is hope. And that was one that you really helped me with. Um, hope, I, I talk about big hope in this book. Hope that some people have that they can really make a difference. That's wonderful. That's big hope. Hope that we can make a difference on earth. And then, of course, we have this eschatological hope, hope for heaven someday. And there's all kinds of things in between. Hope that can help others have hope. Um, so these are the, the, the seven. We've got um, gratitude and humility and empathy and compassion and generosity and holiness and hope. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I know when we were talking about it, right, I was, I was pushing strong for hope to, to make it in the book. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I wouldn't let you <laughs> off. Part of it is because you only had six and you needed seven attitudes to make it complete. Exactly. And I was really worried <laughs> that you weren't going to get to seven. And, and so it, it's, it, it, it really helped uh, by, ha by having that one and by your um, encouragement of it. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. But yeah, I, um, yeah, I found reading through all of them. Yeah, it's like I said, it's really well written. You make you make us think about all of those attitudes and whether or not we are cultivating them, having them, um, and even the struggle that you know you share about some of your struggles. And, and sometimes it's even funny what you know. I laughed in your chapter about generosity when you're talking about generosity, and uh, um, Ishigal encourages you to give more than what you really had planned. And I laugh at that because, you know, I could see Emily doing that, um, being like, well, wait a second. Like, that's not what I had in mind. Um, and so it's it's a very, you know, it, it's not just like, hey, this is what you should do. This is what you should think. And you shouldn't struggle internally with different ways to help. Um, and so I think I think people, will, it's very relatable uh, for, for people. Uh, and you, uh, in the book, too, you don't just talk about these attitudes, but you um, weave stories of people that you personally know. There's three different people that you weave stories uh, in and out of these these chapters that you write. You want to talk about them? Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned that about a year and a half ago when I started thinking about this book, I, I, uh, I, I emailed you. Um, that was when I started thinking about this book again. So the first time I started thinking about this book, not this title and not this concept, but about kind of these ideas, was back in 2013 when Aishigul and I lived in Cambodia. We lived in Cambodia for six months. And when we were there, I was there for my PhD research. And when we were there, we um, lived in an apartment and there was a security guard that lived, that worked there as well, but that worked there. And I got to know him and, um, you know, Cambodia is just a, a fantastic, exciting, wonderful place to live. And there's a lot of poverty there as you know, and I, I, I heard uh, his story. Then I connected with other people as well. And I actually formally interviewed our security guard. His name is Sock and a great grandmother who was 81 years old at the time. 
she bought and sold stuff to, to, to survive. She was an entrepreneur. And she also helped build the only church in her village. And then I also interviewed a garment factory worker. I only met her once, uh, but she worked, you know, seven days a week, hours and hours, I think 70 hours a week, usually making clothes. Actually, she wasn't a sewer. She wasn't a seamstress. She was a quality control checker. And, um, but, but each of these stories are included in the book as small little chapters throughout. So of course, this book, first of all, if somebody is looking for a hardcore theology book, this is not the book to buy. This is a book that is fun. It was fun to write and it's fun to read, I think. I'm biased, of course. But no, it, it is. I, you know, I read it. I was telling you when I helped edit it, I was at a camp meeting speaking during the week and uh, my family didn't travel with me. And I was, uh, I was reading in between speaking events and uh, it was fun and easy to read. And I, oh, I told thank you, you when I sent it to you too, like it was thought provoking. I was leaving my hotel to go to the church and uh, there was a, homeless man i could see outside of panera on the corner the entire time that i'm reading this book by the way with a sign and um so when i left to head to the to the church like your stories and all the things that you are encouraging us to think about like i'm looking literally looking in my i'm watching this guy the entire time thinking of, about him and give to him and then and then i'm I'm leaving and I'm watching him in my rear view mirror, like hardcore, like thinking about what's his story. Like, you know, what are does, you know, where are his parents, you know, he's older, but what do his parents think? Like oh, just everything, like how's his life gone? I almost, I had to slam on the brakes because there was a red light after I turned in front of me and I was about to get on the highway and I wasn't paying attention to the car in front of me. I mean, I was inches away from hitting them. I'm glad that you didn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about the man on the corner, you know, like, and I was watching him in my rearview mirror. So, but yeah, go ahead. So, but it is, it's, it's that kind of book. Like it makes you, you know, think and about the person. Yeah. And so the book isn't just, you know, my stories, um, but it's also the stories of these three special people in Cambodia. And we get to hear their stories and, you know, what their lives are like. And, so yeah, so so that's um, that's one of the unique things I think about this book is that it it weaves their stories into it. Yeah, yeah. So um, why do you see a, a need for this book, or maybe how can this book help? You, you know, you you say it's not a hardcore theology book, and it's not. Uh, but I, I do think it's a it's a helpful book, and could be a helpful book for maybe like a small group. Uh, or, uh, uh, you know, a simple church study or even just reading group. Um, why do you see a need for a book like this and how could it, how can it help others? Um, what kind of resources um, come along with it potentially? Sure. Well, there is inside, uh, inside of the book, there is a uh, free companion study guide that uh, is co-authored with my dad. And it has reflective questions and prayers and Bible passages, challenges, areas to journal. And that's a free download um, for um, all readers. And so that is something that can be used by small groups. Also, if there are churches that, you know, want to incorporate this book into the life of the church, I'm more than happy to have, you know, uh, a chat with them or with your church. Um, 
of course, the, the, the companion study guide can sort of act as a um, study guide, you know, along, you know, with personal study or with group study. But um, yeah, your question about the need. So the need for a book like this, I think, relates to just what life is like these days. You know, even before, well, life has always been, in my opinion, you know, really self-focused. You know, and that's very normal. It's natural. In, in the book, I share that, you know, it's, it's not natural for us to have a deep concern for strangers. But yet, God loves, you know, strangers, just like he loves us. And, you know, as Americans, most of us, you know, only live in America, or we only are exposed to a very small amount of things that go on inside the whole world. And I think it's healthy for us to be exposed to other ideas, to the realities of the world. That's why I talk in the, the, um, the third chapter about empathy, about how we can, you know, incorporate that into our lives by learning about the needs of others. And in, in chapter one, I talk about, you know, this in-between, living as a person of, with gratitude and you know, I'm thankful for all that I have, for all the opportunities and privileges that I have, but at the same time, I'm humble or I need to be humble that number one, those things can go away at any point. And number two, a lot of people in the world, for example, the people on the street don't have all the things that I have or even a fraction of it. So I think that as Christians, I think that we could go a long way with developing in our hearts a deep, a deep desire to care and a deep discomfort. I think that we should be full of discomfort because of the realities of the world that are not just like the way I have it or just like the way the people have it who are watching probably. Mm -hmm. The world is full of problems, problems that we can't even imagine big and small. And I think that we can all go at least some way to improve the way that we think and understand the world. Yeah. Yeah. So, so knowing you, when you talk about that discomfort, um, what, I, I don't think you're talking about like a lack of peace. Um, but I assume you're talking about a lack of comfort that the, the way things are, are just the way things are. And there's nothing we can do about it. Um, is that what you mean by that? Explain, yeah, talk so, about it a little bit. Because, right, yeah. especially for us, like in general, not just Americans, but anybody who is is fairly well off, like you start talking about discomfort. And it's like, oh, no, I'm not doing anything that's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I mean, we like, I mean, I'm bad at it. I think, I do think uh, Americans are really bad at putting themselves in uncomfortable situations anymore or being okay with discomfort. So what do you mean by that? Um, yeah. One of the things I mentioned in the book is being overwhelmed. I think it is, it's a good thing to sometimes be overwhelmed in thinking about all that I have, even if it's not all that I want, right? Most of us don't have everything that we want and then some, but yet we still need to realize that we have a lot more than most others. Okay. Wait, you don't have everything you want? Not yet. 
<laughs> and so whenever I say discomfort, I don't mean spiritual discomfort. I don't think. Uh, maybe I should dig into that a little bit more about what I actually mean or think about that. Thank you for asking me about that. Because I think that we should have shalom. I think that that's God's desire, right? Christ came on earth to bring God's kingdom on earth today, we believe, and in the future. And so it's working toward that. And to work toward that, sometimes we need to be in some discomfort to help us in that journey. And so when I say discomfort, I think it's just the reality, this gap, this realization that there is a gap. And maybe there's some guilt involved in that as well, that, okay, there's a gap. I've got a lot going on for me, even if it's not all that I want. But there's people around the world that don't have all this or even a very tiny fraction of what I have. So I think that there should be some guilt. And I think that that relates to discomfort as well. There's a concept that I talk about in the book, what I call co-suffering. Co-suffering is the notion that whenever I personally or you personally suffer about something, small or big, that you also remember other people who are suffering. So it might be something like, for example, I stub my toe today on the wall. Tomorrow I have a throbbing toe for a day or two. So that's a very bad thing. And I'm, you know, when, when we suffer, we, we think about ourselves, my toe, my toe, my toe. But what if we broaden that out? And what if we thought about all the people with chronic pain, the people with arthritis, yeah. with all kinds of suffering? And, and that's what I call co-suffering. And in the book, I talk about the most profound experience that I had personally with co-suffering in a place I wasn't expecting it at all. And it's a really important concept. And I think it's something that we can remind ourselves to do because it reminds us. And I think that this is a healthy reminder. That way, we're not always caught up in ourselves, but we're reminded of other people in the world, people that we'll never know or even think about uh, or see. And that, I think, is what I mean by discomfort. Yeah, I, I like that idea, too, of even intentionally entering in to suffering to remember those who live a life that are often suffering. Not that we're, like, you know, hitting our, like, not that we're, we're harming ourselves, which actually there's a tradition in Christianity right, where that was encouraged to, uh, um, uh, to co-suffer even with Christ, um, which is not something that we necessarily need to do or should do actually, while at the same time, I do think it's important to uh, enter into to situations or, light or, or, or attitudes that help you think about those who suffer, or even when you do suffer, to think about other people, like you said, who suffer with chronic pain. I think one of the ways that is really easy actually for Christians to do this and encouraged biblically is fasting. Uh, I know any time that I have spent a significant amount of time fasting, it's like, wow, like there are people who go hungry in the world. Uh, and, um, you know, fasting one meal is one thing, fasting a day is one thing, but once you get a couple of days in, you really start to like think like, okay, like this, you know, some people go days 
with without eating children and all those sorts of things. And you really actually start to have come kind of an empathy, grow an empathy for the, the poor or um, even the food poor. So I, I, you know, I think that's one way to do that. Uh, your book, Homeless at Harvard is kind of that, I, I think that co the co-suffering idea uh, there, not that I, I think people need to become homeless. <laughs> um, no, not, not, yeah, not, not, not at all. Yeah, I, I don't think, you know, that's what um, we need to do, but to find ways, like how do we, how do we, yeah, how do we enter into co-suffering without doing it in a way where like we're trying to punish ourselves or, or um, yeah, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say there, but I, we avoid suffering at all costs. Uh, very normal. Very, very normal. Like, and yeah. most of us, or at least I do, I live a very comfortable life. Right. And try to avoid suffering at all costs. Me too. And so it is hard to think about those who suffer on a regular basis, um, even or to have empathy. So. Yeah. I don't think that we should, I don't think that we should intentionally put ourselves into a place where we suffer. Mm -hmm. That's not what I meant. What I meant is, what I did not mean is, I'm going to kick the door really hard so that my toe hurts, so that I can suffer with others. Of course, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that whenever I do that and whenever it does hurt, then I can feel that, that yeah. others are feeling. It's interesting that you mentioned fasting, Josh, because um, one of my footnotes um, in the, the, uh, the gratitude and humility chapter relates to fasting. And that is actually, as you mentioned, something that we can bring on ourselves in a healthy way. And Mark Buchanan, I, I cite him um, in a Christian Century article, and what he says really struck me. And this was when I was at Anderson. Um, I read, I read his, his, uh, his thing here, and it says, fasting is meant to scour our gut. It is God's intent that we feel the pains of hunger, the gnawing emptiness, the dizziness and weariness. That's how a third of the world lives. And if we never live that way, even briefly, how will we learn to care for the least of these? Fasting gives us a small taste of what their world is like, a taste we will never get if we do not for a time forsake the taste of food. And so that really relates to what you were saying and also relates to co-suffering. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me, we used to, in youth ministry, the World Vision used to have, uh, I think, 36 hours of prayer and fasting. And uh, one of the things we were doing is you were raising money for the hungry around the world. Uh, and you were hoping that the kids <laughs> would think about these sorts of things. Um, some did, and then some just complained about not eating for the 36 hours. And, and uh, but Very natural. Yeah, very natural, you know. But raising awareness um, during that time of suffering uh, was, uh, it was, it was a good event for the kids. And um, something I, I recommend that adults do occasionally um as well so what uh what's maybe one takeaway that you want people to get from this book to kind of conclude here yeah well i think that helping from the heart and the culmination of developing these seven attitudes of the helping heart culmination of that is action so I begin the book with the
the question, where do we begin? How do we begin? And I end the book with the same question, where do we begin? How do we begin? Well, we, we, we begin by you know, developing these attitudes in our hearts. So that way we can be the people God wants us to be. But I think the culmination of that is the action. And it can be a small action now, it can be a big action, but I think it should be a thoughtful action. And I think that that's ultimately the people God wants us to be. God wants us to be acting people, not people who act on the stage, but people who act, right? People who are doing something, even if we don't know exactly what it is. There are resources out there that can help us. There are other books. There's this book. There's you know sites that can help us understand how we can be of help to the world. Mm-hmm. But we have to start somewhere. Yeah, you know, there, there are, you know, I think about our own church, like I said, you, you actually conclude the book with a ministry from our own church. And uh, as you just talked about action, I mean, there are ministries out there, right? If you want to engage with the poor and help with the poor, there are ministries to get involved with, and you can certainly use your gifts. If you're part of a local church, your, your church probably has some ministry that helps the poor connected with it, or they support a ministry, maybe even locally, that helps the poor uh, that, that you could join, support, um, engage with, or maybe start, right? You see a need and uh, that's not being met, and you could start, you know, start a ministry. Uh, and so uh, I do think the book motivates people to do that, and, and I would encourage people to, uh, again, to purchase the book and to think about what they can do to get involved or to be a part of even a group of people that um, are, are caring for the least of these, as Jesus would um, call them. Uh, often, or they're forgotten. Um, John, how can you be reached? How can the book be purchased? Uh, you said, yeah. you know, one of the things you said, if a small group or a group of people maybe want to connect with you, Zoom with you, or uh, I don't know, Google Meets or whatever, uh, I think they Absolutely. can potentially do that. Um, and so uh, how, how would people get a hold of you and purchase the book? Sure. Well, the book is Seven Attitudes of the Helping Heart, How to Live Out Your Faith and Care for the Poor. And my website is just johnchristopherframe.com, johnchristopherframe.com. You can contact me on there. The book is widely available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and those other places as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, John, thank you uh, for this time today. And and thank you. you It's been great. Yeah. And and for writing the book. Um, And uh, yeah, it's just so good to see you. Um, and uh, I hope uh, people um, will, will take time, order your book, and, and read it. So. Thanks, Josh. I really appreciate it.